0: I.V.M.
1: to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories, India's very own travel podcast, where each week we share the journey of travellers in their own words and relive their experiences with you, our listeners.
2: Hi guys, welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories and uh, to kick off the new year, what better than take you to a very special place with our guest Priyanka from the blog MapRoot.in. So sit back and enjoy as we take you to one of the biggest religious congregations in the world, the Kumbh Mela. Priyanka, thank you so much for being a part of the Musafir Stories and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi Priyanka, welcome to the Musafir Stories.
0: Hi, thanks for inviting me.
2: Thank you, thank it's you. It's our pleasure. And yeah, uh, we're always you. looking to have uh, different people to offer us different uh, perspectives about traveling and uh, traveling to different places given that India is so diverse in this um, in this regards, right? So, we're really glad to have you. And uh, before we get into the details, right, of the destination and um, the topic we want to discuss, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little bit of a background about your travel story.
0: Um, I basically started uh, traveling way back in 2009 and it was like a pure uh solo travel trips because Uh i think uh, one of the reasons that i started traveling was because i just wanted to be on my own i just went on an impromptu almost impromptu not entirely because it was one of my first trips Uh south india from mumbai i'm basically based in mumbai i went in a bus trip uh to south india bangalore mysore goa and um yeah that's how my solo traveling started
2: It's wonderful that you have it figured out. And um, yeah, we look forward to your uh, uh, blogs about uh, a number of different travels that you have done. But uh, today we are here to discuss um, something very special about uh, a very grand event. The Mela, or um, the Arth Kummela specifically, right, the one that's coming up in Allahabad. Um, uh, we thought it might be a great way to um, kind of inform our listeners also about this um, wonderful event that happens. Uh, pretty much uh, one of the biggest gatherings, uh, religious gatherings in the world where over um, 100 million people descend upon uh, the, the place where this event happens. That's the topic of discussion today and we wanted to kick it off by uh, getting into some of the uh, background and uh, history about this, um, the Kumbh Mela, right? Uh, give us a, a brief background about this, um, Priyanka.
0: This is like the mythological story of um, the Kumbh Mela. Uh-huh. What they say is that uh, at some point the Devas and the Asuras, you know, uh, in English we would call them demigods or demons, right. they basically got into a fight mm-hmm. and um, there was no way to kind of sort it, like, you know, how to sort this thing. And then, um, what transpired was they got like a lot of gods involved and they also went to Shiva and all, and, um, they got him involved. Like what happened is they basically, uh, took a huge mountain, which we call Mount Meru, which is like considered very sacred and a really huge. Okay. Place, and then they, um, put it in the ocean, which is like the ocean of the world. And, uh, they took this huge snake, which is, uh, it's Vasuki. I'm not entirely sure, but that right. snake is also a really historical and, um, uh, I think our mythology is so colorful, it's like amazing. <laughs> so, um, basically, they had to churn this ocean because they wanted the pot of nectar because everyone wanted to become uh, immortal. Right. So, they they tied this vasuki to the Mount Meru and they started, you know, like the devas would pull from one end and the asuras will pull from the other end. Right. So, it would become like a churning pot. Right. And so, the Mount Meru will churn the ocean. And uh, when it started churning, like a lot of things came out. At one point there was a lot of poison which came out. So they actually had to bring Shiva down. So uh, they got Shiva and they made him drink all the poison because uh, Mm -hmm. otherwise the poison would overflow into the world and it would destroy everything. A lot of things came out of the ocean one after the other. And uh, one of the things that came out in the midst of things was a pot of nectar. And uh, Mm -hmm. the devas didn't want uh, the asuras to have this nectar because uh, if they had it, it will make them immortal. So what they did was they kind of came up with this ploy and the requested Vishnu, who is considered a god. And, uh, you know, he came down in a female uh, uh, form and he seduced mm-hmm. a lot of the asuras and stuff. And in midst of all of that, uh, the pot of nectar was taken away far from the asuras. So um, when the pot of nectar was taken away, what uh, what the legend says is that a few drops of it fell in like four places. And uh, these four places is where the kumela is held. Mm-hmm. So, basically, these four places are considered like really auspicious places. So, even when the Kumela is not there, these four places are still considered fairly auspicious. Sure. We are talking about Haridwar, Allahabad or Prayag. That region is called Prayag. And now, there are, there is also some talk of changing the name of Allahabad into Prayag Raj. So, uh, those two and uh, a little bit to the south of India is, uh, I mean, it's, it's not really to the south. It's in the middle of India is uh, Nasik and um, Ujjan. Right. Ujjain falls in Madhya Pradesh, which is like central India, while uh, Trimba Keshwar is in Maharashtra. And, uh, it's quite close to Mumbai, and uh, Haridwar and uh, Allahabad are both in the north.
2: Yeah, and and uh, yeah, just going back a little bit to the etymology also, right? The name, I think, Kumbh Mela. Yeah. Uh, I think Kumbh was a pot, the pot of nectar that you were uh, referring to, right? That was uh, churned out of the ocean that the, that's what it's named after as well right yeah
0: it, it is the pot of nekka but um the, the thing is kumbh is all like that a pot is considered very auspicious in a lot of other occasions like for example when we Uh, You know, have like a, we take a new home or something. Mm -hmm. Then one of the first rituals that is done is you take a kumbh and you fill it with uh, coconut and some leaves and all. And you take it into the house. Like one girl will basically take it inside the house. She will place it in a specific place. So my point is that the kumbh is very auspicious. Maybe it has come from that kumbh. But in general, that kumbh also signifies this other kumbh, which is for all religious stuff, you always have a kumbh. You know, Mm -hmm. you will always have this pot with a coconut in it with those leaves in it. Mm -hmm. So uh, the kumbh by itself is very, very auspicious for any uh, religious kind of a puja or anything that's happening. Right, right. But what is very clear is that this is definitely like a place where and this uh, event has been happening for thousands and thousands of years. And like this is a place where a lot, it's like a confluence, you know, of all the various uh, religious diversity that happens within the country. And it just comes down and meets at this point. Absolutely. Majorly within Hinduism, but it actually also includes uh, Sikh Sikh people who do uh, participate in it. Right.
2: Yes, that's uh, that's very true, and uh, yeah, that's why we thought it's uh, definitely worthy of um, being a topic of the podcast. Even though we cover destinations primarily, but we thought this event in itself um, was really significant to a community, and it's also one of a kind, right? As as uh, we mentioned at the beginning as well, it's a conference of over a hundred million people at uh, at one point at that okay. place, right? Whenever this happens, and in terms of the frequency that this happens, um, can you give us a little bit of a background as as to when this happens as well, Priyanka?
0: So basically, there are these four places where the kummela happens. So in each place, there is one uh, main kummela, which is called the uh, Puna kummela, full kummela, mm-hmm. happens every 12 years. Right. I mean, it would seem that because there are four places in every 12 years, so every three years in one place, it should happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's not how it works. What happens is uh, Haridwar and Ilapad, they have the kummela happening um, uh, every three years like uh, the uh, the full Kummela in Allahabad and uh, then the one in Haridwar will happen at a distance of three years. Right. But uh, then the one that happens in Nasik and Ujjain like they happen together or they happen at the distance of one year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not separated so equally. but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. A not a
2: uh, regular frequency of that sort, right?
0: Yeah, it also makes sense because like this is all on the basis of the almanacs and uh, tithis, right? Your lunar calendar. So then they probably have some calculation going on as to when it happens. And then um, uh, between the two full, like every 12 years, there is one full kummela in one place. Between that, on the after six years, there is one ardha kummela. Right. So the one that's happening in Allahabad right now is like the ardha kummela. Uh, right, because the one in
2: 2019, right?
0: Yeah, because uh, 2013 they had uh, a purna kumbh mela, and then after that in six years, that's in 2019, they'll have the ardha kumbh mela. Um, also, an important thing to know is this: uh, after every 144 years, because that's uh, 12 into 12, uh, after every 144 years they have this Maha kumbh, like that's like super super big. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that happened in 2013 in Allahabad only. So that one was the one where over hundred million people came in, and that that's like an insane level of Kumbh. because I think it's something like okay, even if you miss the smaller combs, you won't want to miss the bigger Kumbh. Right.
1: Yeah. And one forty years is a big deal. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, insane. It's
0: in
2: like a once a 40, lifetime.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: Yeah. And uh, perhaps not even that for some of us, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful. And uh, tell us about your experiences uh, a little bit. We have now that we have set up the context uh, pretty well. Um, Tell us a little bit about your experiences as to when you uh, uh, got to visit both uh, the Kumbh Melas and uh, which of these have you had a chance to visit?
0: So, you know, in 2013, when that huge one was happening, I I was so eager to go, but I just, um, I basically didn't go because, so before we uh, talk about going to Kumbh Mela specifically, we should, uh, I, I want to mention that. See, uh, travelers who are listening to this podcast, like if they visited any of these major religious places of India, if you've been to uh, Varanasi or such, then you will have an idea of uh, what this kind of event will uh, be like. The thing is, at that time in 2013, I had not experienced all of these places. so I was very hesitant to just randomly land up at that Mahakum. <laughs> so yeah. uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go. Um but the thing is, by the time like the next kumbh came, that was in 2015, there was the kumbh uh, in uh, Trimbakeshwar. So by the time I had been to Haridwar and I had been to uh, Varanasi on my own as a solo traveler. And my visit mm-hmm. to Varanasi was insane. Like it was one of my first visits to like a religious place. And it's insane because see, usually what happens, we go to these religious places as a family right Mm -hmm. so then mostly it's the adults like the older folks they just take care of everything and there are set rituals we have to follow so you just go in that flow but then when you go as a traveler all of a sudden that whole place is open for you to explore you are not following your set rituals you're not really doing things from the perspective from your faith and all like faith and all is there but you're also looking to explore just experience the place in a deeper way so sure uh that varanasi trip that happened that was like a really big eye and then so by the time i went to the my kumbh in 2015 i was already prepared for a lot of things i i had my fill of uh, you know those pandas they call them in hindi or Gujati, right like these mm-hmm. people they're, like they're a little bit like touts they'll they'll want to do puja and all for you but they'll kind of keep asking for money and all they are pushing you here there and do many things within the religious framework. So it's kind of really scary, especially if you're like a solo person. And also as a mm-hmm. woman, right? Because a lot of these places are very male-oriented. Like, for example, in Varanasi, there was this whole line in front of the temple. And uh, most of them are men. The women are always standing at the side of their husband or their father or something. But if you're going as a solo woman, you're just standing there. And you're really in the midst of all men. And sometimes they may not keep a distance. And also I have to keep telling them, please keep your distance. Like sure so all such various things end up happening so especially as a solo woman going into a religious event you have to be prepared so um so now coming to the Mela, when i went uh the 2015 one which i went for mm-hmm. uh i was very wary about these things because i had already experienced it and i knew it was so difficult for me so so i uh, deliberately didn't chose the uh, so in the Kumbh mela, there are these important days, like big days, were very auspicious. Right. So like the uh, masses, the crowd just multiplies like insane on those days. Mm-hmm. So I didn't choose those days. I went on the non Shan days. These are, these are called Shahi Snan. Right. Shahi means royal, mm-hmm. and Snan means bath. So these right. are like royal bath days. Right. So I didn't go on those days. I went on the normal days, and thankfully, like uh, it was actually. I, I think I also missed like uh, you know these uh, Shahi Snan days. Some of them are more important than others also. So Mm -hmm. by the time I had landed up in the Kumbh, most of these days were kind of over. So I had gone in a very, for me it was very nice because there was not so much crowd. A lot of the ghats were a little bit empty. Mm.
1: How about the accommodation and everything Priyanka? Did you take care of it before going there?
0: So, uh, yeah, I had done a Google search and I found some of these camps. I just called them and asked them to book something for me. The thing is, because it was a non-Shaisnan day and it was not the peak season, I there was no pressure on me to really book and give an advance and all. I just said, keep one bed for me. So this was basically a, uh, a female dormitory. And uh, so what happens with accommodations, especially again in these religious spaces, is that a lot of these ashrams and all are there. The problem is, especially if you're a solo traveler, whether you're a guy or a girl, they will not give accommodation to a solo person, okay. even if they have it free. So uh, the dormitories within these ashrams and all tend to be mixed. Mm-hmm. It's usually for families and also you can't, I don't know whether I can go and all. So I didn't opt for those. So then uh, what what uh, you should opt for, especially if you're solo, is you go for these camps where a lot of these foreign women are also there. So that is usually fairly safe. And I'll also get these other uh, foreign women and all who are usually solo. And sometimes Indian women are also there, but typically they run on the basis of foreigners who end up coming uh, as a solo person. Otherwise, you know, for Indians, mostly these are like family occasions also. So uh, they become like a different set of people. So where they might stay, I may not be able to stay. So it's very important that especially as a solo person, you should think through your accommodations. And guys, especially like guys can be totally chilled over here because see so many humans are there so there are a lot of these mandaps like big tents are created by a lot of paths like a lot of these gurus and a lot of paths will come there right and they'll have their own setups so a lot of them create these huge tents and in the tents these people will just go and they'll sleep there like literally on the ground they may have a small bed sheet or something you just roll it out and take a little you know the clothes or whatever is in a little bag they put it as a pillow and the shoes are nearby that they just stay like that and the government or even the ashrams and all, they will have bathrooms and also they use those facilities however they get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so especially guys like they can totally rough it out and do whatever like i have some friends who are guys and uh they really wanted to experience the comb very very properly so they they literally went like these local people you know with minimum clothing and uh just even minimum stuff like not even carrying anything much they just actually stayed like these people and uh, that's totally okay for them but uh, I, I i wouldn't opt for it because you know as a woman we are just a lot more careful and uh, yeah.
1: so maybe in your own words can you explain how the scene was when you got to the kummera the first day
0: it's really amazing because there's you can literally just surely make out the uh, kind of people coming in and they are completely different like okay. uh, some of them are t- hardcore yogis right I mean these are sadhus and uh, not so much like nagababas have been hyped up a lot but then they usually stay in the enclosure mm-hmm. because I think they don't like all the attention so, so they don't really come out and roam around too much mm-hmm. some of them do but very little.
2: Sorry to interject, but I just want to ask one question, uh, like just to um, give our a little bit of a background about these uh, Naga Babas, or the Naga Sadhus, right? Uh, can you speak a little bit to that, like uh, who these people are, where they come down from, and uh, describe to us also, like um, they're, they're very unique in that way, right?
0: My in, my my information on this is also quite limited, but I'll tell you whatever I know. Mm-hmm. See, uh, what happens at the Kumbh mela is that From, as I said earlier also, from all the parts of Hinduism and Sikhism and maybe even other small religions, I don't even know, but all of them just come there they set up their camps because they all want to experience this right. so what it includes is all of these akhadas like in hinduism there are a lot of akhadas which are like sects maybe you can say or they're just groups right. who follow a path uh, of hinduism and one of them is your uh, naga babas and all who are the ones who basically will be nude mm-hmm. and they uh they'll rub uh, vibhuti vibhuti is like sacred ash right. they rub it all uh, on their body they have dreadlocks and stuff the other thing is these uh, naga baba sect they are very closed mm-hmm. like they are they are not so open to public and i personally know this because uh, even uh, when i went to varanasi i wanted to see a few of them because especially over there there are these agoris mm-hmm. so agoris are also similar because uh, there are also these swamis who with dreadlocks and ash covered, fully ash covered ones. Mm-hmm. But they are very closed. And I had a friend who had actually got some contact with Aghoris and had been to the ashram and all also. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was also telling me that it's a very closed sect. Mm-hmm. And probably also, you know, because the outsiders are probably coming with a very wrong uh, intention, intention. Because yeah. they see them as, yeah, because they see them as naked, they just get excited. But that's not it, right? Like right. Right. they have their own thing that they are following and we need to maintain our respect and stuff mm.
1: right because i think even if you see the uh, i mean the ideology that they have that they are more connected to the uh, after world than this current world Nature, yeah. yeah and uh, they believe more in uh, staying close to god so at that time i think if a person comes around with a camera and i've seen a lot of people like asking them to post for pictures yeah. and all that so maybe that uh, doesn't go that well with them so maybe that's the reason they prefer to stay a little secluded from the rest of the crowd even, even
2: otherwise I think only on important occasions like this is when they descend down right yeah. uh, I don't think you yeah. uh, see them a lot other on other days right usually for events like the Kumbela that's when they descend down in numbers otherwise uh, very limited also in terms of accessibility
0: yeah, yeah, the ashrams and all, they are very closed and uh, they come out in the Shahisnaan. So what happens during uh, Shahisnaan is that uh, the, even for that particular night where the dip is supposed to happen or day, whatever, the hours are also uh, dis- decided by the almanac, right? What is the auspicious hour right. and what not. Mm-hmm. So according to the hours, like uh, these uh, sadhus and all, also they have their own internal order and seniority and whatever it is. Sure. So uh, as per the order, they will come down to take the Shahisnaan dip. That uh, itself is like a fairly... Um, Uh, it's it's like an occasion because like in my next kummela I went to Ujjain right so the Ujjain one I actually went for the Shahisnaan days because I felt confident enough and I was very excited also to experience the Shahisnaan And this was my second Kumela, so I thought I could like it. It would be great, and it was amazing because at chaisna night, the environment just changes. Mm. I mean it is it is so electric, yeah like on before because when I went to Trimba Keshwar, things were a lot more emptier, and I chose that time right to go on an empty time where things are not too chaotic for sure. me. Mm -hmm. but the Ujjain one was like amazing because I went on these um, peak days there were like two or three Shahisnans coming together and that's when I was there in the middle of it so uh, one of the Shahisnan nights like it was a full night of dipping the whole night I just stayed up and I was roaming around and stuff so I was part of this like I, I was kind of standing as the spectator to this whole procession that comes down uh, you just stand somewhere where the main ghat is there and all of these like outsiders won't be allowed in that ghat in that time because okay. all of these sects have priority because obviously like, okay. these are like major you know seekers and all and they'll be doing the sadhana and they want to make use of this occasion so they are given those slots and everything so then there's a whole procession that happens like hundreds of people are just standing at the side like me watching and then there's, uh, so one of the procession and that was the Naga Baba procession and the whole bunch of them came Um, like most of us were standing respectfully but like some youngsters and all they will kind of start acting smart and doing some funny stuff (laughs) then these nagababas are super fierce like this one guy he just he he took a stick and was going to beat him (laughs) (laughs) because he was acting smart right he just jumped into the way and I don't know maybe he was trying to click a photo but this guy just (laughs) took a stick and he, he was going to hit him, so his uh, mischievous fellow ran off mm. but uh, it's quite something like the whole environment it gets uh, really charged and it's really amazing mm. and the other thing like i don't know a lot of people know but uh, apart from naga babas there's also a woman sect who is very similar okay. but uh, but they don't come out in the nude at all because obviously right the social situation sure. doesn't allow it mm-hmm. but uh they only nude within their their campus but when they come out they wear some clothes and come out i was very surprised to know about this but like i uh, i read about it and now uh, came to know about these things mm. uh, it's quite amazing because like you know uh, there is so much talk on the outside about like especially in urban educated circles about india being so patriarchal and so uh, regressive in certain ways for with regards to women but if you go to this Kumela I mean, mm. you know, it's amazing because within the um, within the format of religion, you, you can do so many things. Like, I'm solo right over there. So, right. even then, at 3 in the morning, I can go and have a dip in the river mm. alone. Because the environment is so many people that it's just so okay. Like, I don't think any of us will face any problem there. And even that Shaisna night, mm. I just decided to stay awake and just be part of it. So, there's nothing of, like, unsafe. I mean, it's just amazing. Like, you can just go. Everyone is respecting everyone realizes you know that uh, it's just very different environment and uh, even like people are taking dips and all you know like some of us okay I have proper clothes and all I'll plan from before that I'm going to take a dip but a lot of the locals come and they just have their own one or two pairs and you know they'll just uh, take a dip and somewhere they are changing and it's, it's just a very nice environment like no hooliganism no nothing of that sort happens like it's really beautiful.
2: Sure. And I think it's uh, very impressive also, right? Uh, Given the scale at which it happens, that it's uh, relatively safe for women, is what you're saying by experience. Um, Kudos to everybody who is a part of that, as well as the governments who help in organizing this, right? As well as the local bodies and the police forces that are there to keep the calm and everything. So I think um, it's um, hats off to them as well. But uh, as you said, overall, I think it's the environment and the atmosphere that it is, which which is um, really that of uh, faith, that of, uh, I think, yeah, devotion and everything so that's why yeah I- that also comes across uh, I'm sure you noticed that too and uh, just touching back upon um, your mention about the Shahisnan and uh, I think the reason that this is so significant during all the days of the Kumbh is uh, because it is believed that um, once you do a holy dip or the Shahisnan uh, like they call it it is believed that you wash yourself of all the sins you've done as well as yeah. it helps in attaining Moksha right that's that's the significance of it yeah
0: yeah definitely Like that is why people come like it's considered a lot more auspicious than other days otherwise you know going to ganga taking a dip is also a very uh pure like considered very sacred by everyone in hinduism and all but uh definitely like days are even more uh people are always encouraged to make use of that opportunity the other thing you know however it's um what happens is i think more than just like people do want to make use of that opportunity to uh you know get their uh, sins washed away and all that stuff but i think more than that what really pulls them is that whole environment because there's it's you just meet so many people over there who are like into their own paths you know spiritual paths they are doing the sadhanas mm-hmm. whatever it may be like there are also like people coming in from like these modern yoga schools and stuff and then there are these very more ancient kind of traditions like the nagas and all which is much more ancient so mm-hmm. that whole mix of it is something really amazing because like everyone's there for that one reason i mean i'm sure there are some other people who are just coming to see and all i'm not uh i mean i'm sure there is a certain percent of those but most of the people you'll find they're so uh, you know, you're dropping all your uh, differences and all, you're, you're just there for that one purpose. And mm-hmm. it's really amazing because if you see at the end those different people that are coming, they're very different. Like uh, these may be people from uh, smaller towns versus bigger cities or there's like a yoga, you know, like a vinyasa yoga from Mysore versus some completely different tradition from north. So there are a lot of differences. And uh, and like, for example, I met, you know, like uh, uh, in Trimba for example, I was uh, standing in the temple queue and the group that Mm -hmm. we had was so eclectic. Like there was this one lady who was like this Canadian who had come down because she followed mm. some guru in uh, bangalore and so she was with that group but uh, she was my roomie in the dorm so i i was with her and i was coming mm. from another uh yoga school like i uh, i follow another yoga school in the south again so i w- I had that background and i'm actually not even a hindu i'm a jain okay. so that's another difference then there was this other guy who who had basically just jumped into the line and we were quite bugged with him initially but then that got forgotten in the Process. So this guy was somebody from Faridabad in uh, Madhya Pradesh again and he was an astrologer, like a traditional astrologer person, like a Brahmin. So that, that was a very different background. Then there were another two or three who were standing as they were a family and uh, they were from some village or something so we didn't interact much but we all became like a group you know and uh, it was amazing because it, it was so eclectic and all our understandings were so different but at the end we would still come together for the same thing
2: Sure, I think uh, there's that feeling of oneness right uh, as you seem to be saying even though there's uh, so many uh, confluence of so many uh, diverse sects and people and uh, ideologies uh, there is this feeling of oneness as you, like, uh, as you become a part of uh, this yeah. whole uh, uh, really it's a phenomena more than an event, right? Uh, I think that's what is so significant about it. And uh, uh, just to touch upon, um, you, you did mention a little bit about, uh, say, your um, living arrangements, right? You lived in a dormitory, yeah. uh, but I've also seen these huge, uh, literally tent cities, right, uh, around um, the, the main yeah. area. Uh, what are these all about, uh, Priyanka? So basically,
0: these uh, camps—they are called camps. So they have a lot of different. Uh, tiers of kind of accommodation you can get. And so there are also very, very expensive kind of tents which are available where you get a tent and that tent also has a small bathroom in it and all. And then of course it kind of, uh, there are smaller tents which like four people or so then there are small full dormitories like six or eight beds so people can choose where they want to stay but uh, especially if you're going for the more expensive one then i think they would get full and all because they are lesser in number i
2: think that's something to keep in mind and uh, um, also touching upon um, uh, the different kind of activities that happen there right uh, obviously you mentioned that the shaisnan is done on specific days and uh, that is uh, one of the more significant of the activities but otherwise right while you're part of the what are the different kinds of activities that go on uh, say day to day or uh, during the course of the day right Uh, what are the things that you come across so
0: there's a lot going on because like i said there's just so many people these camps are there like a lot of these uh, gurus and all will come down and set their entire uh, camp so all those camps keep having something or the other like that guru himself uh, if he's coming down there then he will have a discourse Uh, like I think the government or the organization who organizes it, they maintain some discourses going on in a, in a common mandap. So, uh, for example, Swami Ramdev is someone who is usually taking a shibir or something. So for seven days, every day in the morning, he will be doing his yogas. Then um, following him, somebody else will come and talk. So there are these common mandaps which are there where you can always just go and something is going on. Typically, because there's so much of diversity, you may not want to randomly sit somewhere because it may not be so relevant for you. So you would want to figure out what interests you and you want to find those kind of places and those activities. But that's one thing like... As of now, I have not found any one place where you can get a list of things because I think it's it's too too dynamic, too diverse. And uh, I don't think as of now there's any central body which is planned, you know, like where you can just Google Google out like how all the activities and pick one and choose. But uh, you keep searching on Google. That usually helps because these uh, individual guru organizations, they will post what they are doing on their organization in their mandap. And then the common mandap you just have to go and inquire when you reach there. And um, Yeah, if you want to particularly like listen to one guru or something, then you'll have to book in advance also according to it. But in general, like that's one thing that can be done. The other thing that can be done is like obviously you want to take a dip also. So you have to figure that out when you're planning to take a dip and then, um, yeah, and then uh, go for any of the sessions. So the other thing that happens is uh, you want to visit the temple. And uh, usually all of these places are these huge temples, you know, like Ujjain has Omkareshwar uh, Shiva temple, then uh, Trimbakeshwar. Uh, in Nashik, there is Krimbageshwal Shiva Temple And I'm sure in Allahabad and Haridwar also there are uh, major temples So those temples, obviously there is a huge line there I mean that line is like 4 hours, 5 hours long So uh, that's that's a huge time consuming thing. Then you have to decide which temple you want to go to because usually in these places there are four or five huge temples which will have these long lines. So you decide what you want to do, which ones you want to go to. And um, one thing about temples and also the dips actually is that if you maintain your timing properly, then you can uh, seriously cut down the time spent in lines because, for example, temples always mm-hmm. go at that time at the moment it opens 5 36 whatever it opens go at that time that's the best time because um the crowd is so much lesser and max you may have to stand for like 40 minutes like Timbukeshwar, keshwar i went in the morning at uh, 5 30 or 6 i reached there then i had to stand for 45 minutes but anytime even mm-hmm. uh, 15 minutes or 20 minutes later the line just keeps growing and growing and growing mm-hmm. uh and the other thing is if you go in a time when there's a little less crowd no you get a chance to sit there for a bit otherwise if the line is very long they're pretty much just pushing you out and mm-hmm. uh, not in a bad way also because they don't have an option, right? Like when there are thousands of people in line, what do you do? You can't just allow everyone to sit. The other thing is uh, to keep in mind that uh, like you could just skip the main things. Like for example, in the Trimbakeshwar temple also, you can't sit inside the temple, but the outside courtyard is completely empty. Like you can just sit there for how much of a time you want. Especially people who want to do yoga, you want to do meditation or something. There are always these non-obvious um, routes. Mm-hmm. So you can't get inside the main temple for sure. That has only one route. But if you want to just go into a courtyard or something, there are these other gates and all where you can just go inside. So you have to be a little smart that way. But uh, it also depends on people's faith and all because in Hinduism, like they do consider that one main gate is the most auspicious. But like I personally don't think too much about these things. So I would just go into another gate and sit at the corner and do my meditation or whatever. And I'll be very happy. And also the mm-hmm. guards, right? Because uh, there are some really major guards and a lot of people end up spending a lot of time just for that one main guard. But instead of that, if you just go to another card, which is fairly empty, you have a much better time because you, you know, it's here, you can take your time, you can take your dip, be on your own, get some solitude. I mean, so I think people should um, don't just rush in to do the main things, just figure out what you want to do, you know, go at your own pace and still get your own space. It's not necessary that you have to be overwhelmed by that crowd that's the main thing the only the other thing that uh, can be done there is uh, uh, like all these akhadas and all are there so apart from the major discourses and all you can actually meet those people that's also amazing like okay. uh, there are all these babas and all who are uh, doing pot so, like, those are, like, big attractions. Yeah, I know. So like,
2: the, 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 those are the pictures you see, right? Uh, always on social media and everywhere. Uh, I think that's what it's made all about. But, of course, there's a lot of other things, as you mentioned. But, yeah, go on. It's
0: such a small part of it. Yeah. So, but then, <laughs> you could also go and have pot with them. A lot of them are actually very welcoming. Or um, But more than that, there are these akharas and all where you might genuinely meet some really amazing people. You can sit and talk with them. Mm. And the most amazing thing, you know, what I have found is that these people, they're covered in ash. They have dreadlocks and stuff, but they they speak such good English. Like I cannot really? believe okay. it. The first few times I spoke with them and they are speaking such good English. And I'm like, oh my God, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then they are saying that these Akhadas, like these traditional Hindu Akhadas, they actually have branches in Germany and Europe and all those things. So I was very amazed. So it's such a novel place, like... I think that's one of the best things after the dips and all which are also amazing the dips and the temple visit and all is super but after that again, just meeting these people looking at diversity and just making your own connections that's really amazing and also like because i was solo or maybe even if you're not solo you just end up making these friends and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, somehow like at least for me because i have this whole background of yoga and all and i mean the conversations i was having was very interesting because i typically in the normal walk of life I don't find people who are so into spirituality and stuff. So I can't have so many conversations with them. But like here somehow the, I think the environment is also such that we all start talking all these little deeper things, which is kind of sure. interesting. And I kind of, you know, I ask them about their path, how do how they do some things.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. And, uh, yeah, thank you for, uh, setting up, uh, setting this up so well, um, with so much context. And, uh, for somebody looking to go there, I think it gives, like, a, a good wholesome feeling, right? For some, like, if you look at it from the outside, for some of us, it might just be about the shy sun. For some of us, as you said, it might just be about the, the, pot-smoking babas and uh, for uh, some of us it might just be about uh, religious procession but um, as you said there's so much so much more to this and uh, that's why even we wanted to have somebody um, who has experienced kumbh in more than one place as well uh, to kind of give us a flavor of uh, what to expect especially given that the kumbh in uh, prayagraj or uh, Allahabad, as you mentioned is coming up in jan of uh, 2019 so uh, it goes on from jan of 2019 till march you said uh, march
0: Praka? 4th yeah
2: Okay, so yeah, for somebody who is looking to uh, plan an event to the... Upcoming Kumela, I think uh, you've uh, set, set up the uh, set up the context really well without uh, overloading people with information. Obviously, people will have to do their own research in terms of uh, how they want to go about it uh, based on their preferences. But uh, this is, I think, a, a very good way of giving a little flavor of uh, the different things that go on during this whole event, the whole phenomena that uh, uh, Kumela is. Uh, any any uh, final thoughts about um, traveling as a solo female traveler to such events and especially the Kumela. I cut. think
0: the normal precautions which solo travel solo woman travelers will take should be taken yeah nothing mm-hmm. major just be a little careful where you're going and mm-hmm. don't just randomly enter places just I mean just use a bit of common sense and uh, I don't know what to say because I don't want to uh, make people too cautious, right? Because otherwise you just miss out on a lot of things. Because in these events, a lot of random connections happen and a lot of things work. But at the same time, there are also uh, situations where people ask your number and then they give you missed calls and random <laughs> things like that. So if you just f- follow your intent, I think we can make it out. Because when some, even if a baba or someone randomly asks you your number, you, you don't give it, right? Like So mm. those basic common sense things you need to follow just because somebody is wearing saffron doesn't mm. mean anything.
2: Absolutely. I think uh, that's some uh, very good advice. And uh, uh, last but not the least, uh, when you're going there uh, with a group, as a part of a group, uh, make sure you stick together, I guess, right? Because uh, I think that's what uh, Kumela has been uh, made popular uh, by yeah. our Bollywood movies, right? <laughs> Lost Lost and found,
0: yeah. I mean, they meet each other after 12 years or so. (laughs) But uh, the good thing is that the management has improved a lot, I think. Uh, The police are being, uh, there are a lot of police people stationed everywhere. There's a lot of cleaning staff and a lot of organization in place. In the last two years, uh, like Ujjan and Trimbakeshwar, they have had a zero uh, loss. I mean, no people were lost.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely, I'm sure, uh, like, the uh, whole organization about it and everything has improved uh, a lot, lot more, but it's just Bollywood's way of uh, uh, kind of making things bigger than they are, right? It just reminds me, uh, I think I was reminded of, uh, what was it, I think, uh, Johnny Lever in uh, Soldier or uh, some movie like that. He kept saying that, uh, Kummele mein gaya bhai, And he keeps looking for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think there are a lot of such movies. It's like a dance sure. story, like, Kummele mein <laughs> But I think it was uh, a genuine thing earlier on those days because you know in the Timbakeshwar that I went, the government was so uh, happily announcing that no one was lost. So I was like that means people were being lost before. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it's true and uh, even in terms of the amount of um, money that uh, the government is spending now, right, uh, to have the organization in place and the infrastructure in place is um, also uh, pretty impressive. Uh, I was recently reading yeah. that uh, for the one uh, upcoming Ard mela in uh, Allahabad, right, in Prayagraj, I think... Um, it was over 2,000 crores or so that's being spent on the infrastructure and uh, setting up of all the facilities for um, all the pilgrims and the devotees that are um, going to g- come down to this uh, mega event, right, of sorts. So yeah. I think uh, it's... it's uh, Great preview of uh, the upcoming uh, Kumela as well. And uh, thank you so much for uh, running us by this in a very detailed fashion and uh, giving us all of these uh, different insights into uh, all the things one can expect at the Kum. But uh, before letting you go, why don't you tell us and our listeners how we can keep in touch with your work, Priyanka, in terms of uh, your blogs and uh, other other places also where you post the stories?
0: So my blog is at maproot.in, That's m a p r o u t e dot i n. And apart from that, I'm on Twitter at Priyanka Writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, also on Instagram as at Priyanka Writing. So if you want like uh, quick updates about what I'm traveling, uh, where I'm traveling uh, right away, then Instagram and Twitter is probably where you can find me. And apart from that, there's the blog. And uh, the other thing is I might be coming with a podcast on my blog soon. So yeah, you can also listen to that.
1: (laughs) Yes, wonderful. So we will be adding uh, links to all of this in our show notes. So all the listeners can go ahead and uh, check out Priyanka's blog and her work. And welcome to the podcasting community as well.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We'll keep um, Thanks. all of our listeners um, updated too. Uh, whenever you go live, uh, do let us know, Priyanka, and uh, we'll be more than happy to share your podcast so that more people can listen to it as well. But uh, yeah, we'd like to thank you a ton for um, taking time out and uh, sharing this one experience you had and this uh, uh, confluence, mega confluence of um, people from all uh, from different uh, sects of life right uh, more than anything and uh, as you as you rightly put it uh, even though there's uh, so much diversity in the type of uh, people that uh, come down right descend upon for this event uh, there's that feeling of oneness at the end and uh, i think that's something you'll only yeah get to experience while you're there so i urge everybody who's listening to this uh, if you are interested in the kumela it is a very good opportunity to go and um, explore this phenomena and uh again once again thank you so much bianca for uh, taking us through this wonderful journey with you. Thank
1: you, Priyanka, and giving us a beautiful insight into this massive Mammoth event. Yeah, yeah, thanks thank a lot. You. It's
0: and a and pleasure thanks to for
1: the opportunity
0: you. also.
1: Thank you.
2: That was yet another great episode of The Basafra Stories. If you guys like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Savan, Pocket Casts, CastBox, Stitcher, or any other podcasting app available on iOS or Android. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way in the show's discoverability. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We go by the handle, The Stories. Or, if it suits you, you could email us at TheMosafirStories at gmail.com or visit our website at www.TheMosafirStories.com more information. All of these links will be made available in the show notes section of each episode. So here's to more travelling, sharing and inspiring. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, happy travels and goodbye!